The Action Network podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a brand new sign-up offer for our listeners. Bet $1 on any team and win $100 if that team scores a touchdown. That's right. All you have to do is open a new WinBet account, deposit $20 or more, and bet $1 on any team within your first 10 days. If that team scores a touchdown, you win $100. So if you haven't signed up for a WinBet account yet, take advantage of this offer today by clicking on the Action Network link in this episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's start the show. All right, here we go. Welcome back to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by WinBet Sportsbook. I'm your host, Mike Calabrese, joined as always by Mike Ionello of the Action Network. And we are here to get into, I can't believe it already, week number nine in college football. An exciting time. We're right on the cusp. It's like Maction Eve. It's going to start in earnest next week. Only one Mac game on Saturday. I know that that bothered you deeply, Ionello, to uh, not have your standard bearer for your bets to go to and just plunder the Mac for, for all of your you know upside sides and totals and money lines. But before we get things started here, a quick programming note from our producer, Matt. All right. As you guys may or may not know, after the New Year's Bowl games are over, the BBOC podcast will then pivot over and release episodes covering all things betting in the world of college hoops. But even before that day arrives, we are delighted to announce that our old friends, the three-man weave, that's Jim Root, Matt Cox, and Kai McEwen, they'll be joining the BBOC full-time for college basketball season, and we'll be releasing an extra College Hoops betting episode every Wednesday morning starting next week, November 3rd, and then we'll expand to even more episodes with Stucky and the rest of our College Hoops team starting in January. We'll share more programming news during bowl season, but for now, just enjoy an extra College Hoops betting episode every Wednesday morning starting next week. And thanks for listening to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. All right, back to you guys. This would not be the Group of Five deep dive without starting it off with our heroes. And I'm going to throw it quickly to one of my favorite teams in the country, San Diego State. We've uh, become a little bit synonymous with their specialist, Matt Ariza. His mother has been liking and reposting our tweets, so we appreciate that, Mom. And um, I'm going to keep it with the Aztecs here. Kurt Maddox, their defensive coordinator, I don't know what's better, his play calling or the fact that his team photo on the website has the sunglass tan. Like he just was like, you know, this is the look I'm going for. Go ahead and snap that picture. I don't need uh, to redo a picture day later in the season. That's a man that has a lot of confidence, and he's also a man who's able to survive his offense only throwing the ball for about 72 yards against Air Force. No problem for him. He held them scoreless through about three and a half quarters. Air Force gets two late fourth quarter touchdowns, but it wasn't enough to come back, so they cash as a plus 160 underdog for me. We actually paired up our underdogs and hit that parlay in week number eight, which was really exciting. Who was your G5 hero 
um, of last week. Yeah, for mine, I'm going to go with the group pick. I'm going to go with a team that I don't think we've ever mentioned on this show. In fact, I don't think any podcast or show ever has mentioned it. I don't think anyone talks about this team. The UL Monroe Warhawks are very quietly four and three this year. And I think they're one of those teams. They went 0 and 10 last year. I would bet by just about every metric, you know, anyone you talk to, you would say ULM was probably considered one of the five worst teams in college football. Like they are in the UConn, UMass, you know, Akron conversation. They've been playing pretty good. They're, like I said, four and three. You know, they beat Jackson State. They beat a really good Troy team. Two wins in a row, they beat a good Liberty team. And to me, what makes this more impressive is they've done it through adversity. You know, their head coaches, their first year uh, under 65-year-old Terry Bowden, former Auburn and, and Akron head coach. And his dad, obviously, Bobby Bowden, died right before the season. So he's dealing with the loss of his dad. Then you have another Island of Misfit toy cast off, offensive coordinator, Rich Rodriguez. We all know Rich Rod from West Virginia, Michigan, Arizona. Well, Rich Rod had to deal with his son being in the emergency room with a collapsed lung. Oh, and by the way, his son was their starting quarterback. <laughs> so not only is you know Rich Rod playing without has, has to deal with that, but they also lose their starting quarterback. In comes true freshman Chandler Rogers. He's had been really good. You know, last week he went 25 for 35, 369 yards and four touchdowns against South Alabama. So my G5 heroes are Terry Bowden. Rich Rodriguez and Chandler Rogers. I'm going with the little ULM package deal. Shout out to the Warhawks. I appreciate you dropping in Monroe and not Monroe. So you're not from one of those uppity Northern cities like Shreveport, where they're too fancy to understand, you know, the local customs. If anything, that was synonymous with a deep dive. So I appreciate you getting us started there. Why don't we keep with that good momentum? Hit us with your best bet for week nine. Yeah, you know, best bets, it's harder to find. You can't turn all, all reliable with the MAC games. I was like, where, where are my east, uh, directional Michigan schools to bet on? Uh, <laughs> see my, my, uh, I, what, I have Eastern Michigan last week. Um, but I'm actually going to go to South Alabama. The team I just mentioned lost to ULM. South Alabama, I believe, I, I didn't look this morning, but last night they were minus eight and a half at home against Arkansas State. We've talked about this before. Arkansas State's defense is maybe the worst unit in the country. They are horrific and I, I i still like jake bentley you know he's a veteran he's been around the block he's second in the Sun Belt, 260 yards per game he's got a 69 percent completion rate 11 tds four picks on the year they have a really good balanced attack bentley's got four touchdowns on the ground himself plus they have three running backs averaging over 40 yards per game jalen tolbert one of the best receivers in the country leads the conference and is fourth in the country with 124 receiving yards per game he's averaging 19 yards per catch like I said, Arkansas State's defense is a train wreck. They are dead last in the country. They they are. I had to like ch check this number three times because I, I don't believe it's true. They're allowing 578 yards per game. That is more than 80 yards, more than the next worst team, which is UMass. They allow 80 yards per game more than UMass does. They are allowing 8.3 yards per play. You snap the ball you pretty much have a first down. You, you snap the ball at second and two. So, and then the, we talk, we've talked about it a couple weeks ago. I know you were talking about it when you took him against Louisiana. The South Alabama defense has looked very good. They're sixth in the country in success rate. They're fourth at preventing finishing drives. And Arkansas State, their offense is good, but they're 106th in standard down rate, uh, success rate on standard downs, where the South Alabama defense is second in the country 
on standard downs. That means Arkansas State is going to be stuck with a lot of second and third and longs. And that's where the South Alabama pass defense, that's where they want you because then they can create the pressure. Arkansas State beat Central Arkansas week one. They've lost their last six games. They're kind of in a tailspin. I think South Alabama bounces back from that ULM loss behind their veteran quarterback. Give me South Alabama minus eight and a half. I'd take this pretty much up to 10. As our producer likes to say, the Arkansas State uh, defensive backs, they just look like, you know, holiday-themed bags of leaves. Just set out there on the perimeter, just run right by them. You can run any pattern. It doesn't really matter. Um, I agree with you. South Alabama remains undervalued. Um, I think offensively, Jalen Tolbert is someone who barely anyone in the Sun Belt can cover them, can cover him, particularly when you look at the Arkansas State secondary. They're going to have no answers and they have enough balance where if they were to double team him, I think that the, the Jags could punish them in other ways. So I think this one is probably off by close to a touchdown. I think this is going to be a runaway for them. Um, so I, I really like that as, as the first pick for the, the best bets getting things kicked off here. I'm going to go with an over for my best bet here in week nine, uh, over 62 between SMU and Houston. And it's always nice when you start to look at the historic data. Since Sonny Dykes arrived um, in Dallas in 2018, SMU and Houston are the top two overproducing teams in the AAC. So they like to play high scoring games. And really this comes down to, I believe, the public's overcorrection on the Houston defense. They're 12th nationally against the pass. But when you look at their schedule up and down, they played Grambling, they played Navy. It's inflated a little bit. And then when you double click into some of their games, Tulsa, they gave up a lot of yards to Bryn, but they were able to make up for it with three turnovers. And the Tulane game, the Tulane Green Wave offense was cooking a little bit, but you saw them mix things up with the pass rush and just absolutely punish Michael Pratt. And that's why I love SMU to score a lot in this game because no one in the country gives up fewer sacks than SMU. And giving Tanner Mordecai time to work I think is going to lead to a high scoring game. And additionally, he's been a little loosey goosey with the football from at time to time this year. So I think there is an opportunity for the Houston defense to pick him off a few times, maybe a pick six and over his best friend, a scoop and score, something like that. 62, I think is off by close to a touchdown. I think this game will be played in the seventies. And the Houston offense, Clayton tune was a little bit slow out of the gate. I think he's playing better. I think they have an opportunity to hang with this SMU team. I think they're, they, sh- they certainly should be on upset alert playing um, down in H town. So this is an opportunity to take advantage of a total that I, I think is off. Um, what are your thoughts on the Houston defense and SMU's ability to potentially take advantage of that with both Danny Gray and Reg- Reggie Roberson jr. Being able to do so much damage through the air. Yeah, I completely agree with you that I don't, fully buy in this Houston defense and I actually have a play on this game as well later that kind of you know backs that same kind of thought process all right we will hop now into our group of five deep dive underdog parlay of the week here in week nine turning good weekends into great weekends it's time for the money line parlay I'm going to get it started here because this is a pretty simple play in terms of the the logic behind it. I like Navy plus 335 going up against Tulsa. This is a Navy team that came off a disastrous 2020 during COVID. They ended up not hitting during fall camp. They get boat raced in the opener by BYU, and they just never really recovered. They didn't have that same kind of physicality that you absolutely need as a triple option offense. And defensively, they were just not there at all in terms of being able to get off the field. 
enter this Tulsa team that when I mentioned getting off the field, this is something that's really important because the Golden Hurricane had been really bad on third downs. And that's the opportunity for Navy here. It's not a defense that's high on the Havoc rating, but if they can get off the field and possess the football, it's going to turn into a very similar game script that we've seen with triple option teams and service academy teams in recent years. Then when I look at just kind of their resume this season, after the first two weeks, Navy has been a pest. They only lost by seven to Cincinnati. They only lost by seven to SMU. Last five games, they're top 15 nationally in rushing yards. Ty Lavatai, their quarterback, has done just enough through the air to give them a little bit of balance. They're still, you know, depending on the metric, bottom five nationally. It's not something they rely on offensively, but just enough balance to give them a little bit of a punch. And then when you look at the, the head coaching matchup, I think it's it's easy to write off Ken uh, Niamatololo and say that he's lost his magic and maybe it's time for him to, to relocate, revitalize a new program, maybe get some better athletes. But this is a guy who's absolutely owned Philip Montgomery. He's 5-1 and one since uh, Montgomery showed up in 2015 against Tulsa. I think he's going to pull the same magic here. I think that the value north of 3-1 to one is just too good to pass up. And a reminder to our listeners, you're going to want to check the WinBet Sportsbook updated odds because I've seen this out in the market up to plus 350. Do you think there's any fight left in this Navy team or do you think it um, emotionally coming off of that near miss with a late onside kick recovery, they weren't able to get it done against Cincinnati? Was that just too draining? Yeah, I like this play. You know, first of all, I hope, you know, our Navy just has to fight in them at all times and doesn't just <laughs> give up when times are tough. That's not good for our country. Um, but I, I like this more from just a sense, you know, of both these teams are bad. So I feel like there's value in the number because, you know, do I do I trust Navy at all? No. Have I bet on Navy once this year? No. Do I think Navy stinks? Yes. But I also don't trust Tulsa as a favorite. You know, they've been really bad this year. And I think it's a little weird because you know Zayvon Collins is kind of the only person they lost in that defense, but it's totally changed their defense. Like, we should retroactively give Zayvon Collins the Heisman just based on how bad Tulsa's defense has been this year. Um, and yeah, you know, Bryn struggled. Their offense really is a mess. So this could go either way for me. So it's kind of a coin flip. So I, yeah, if you're getting you know nice plus money on that, I definitely like the idea of it. So what are you pairing up here? And then my producers in my ear, it sounds like whatever you're going to throw in there, it's going to get all the way up to 11 to one on the payout. So it, this has got to be good. Lay it on me. Yeah. So I've hit my money line, you know, dogs have cashed the last two weeks in a row. So I'm, I'm taking a little bit bigger swing here. I, I like to play it safe. Usually I'm going with Hawaii plus 180 at Utah state. Uh, I think Cordero is going to play. He's supposed to be back. We thought he'd be back last week, but, for me, you know, he did warm up. He was in pads before the game. It was kind of a last second, hey, I can't go. So I'm expecting him back this week. Obviously, that's huge. Cordero, the guy I was kind of down on last year, but he has looked a lot better. His average depth of target is two full yards more than it was last year. He's got 17 big-time throws, just seven turnover-worthy plays. And Hawaii is capable of scoring at just about any moment. They have two electric players, Dede Hunter, is another one who, you know, we expect to be back. He is averaging 7.1 yards per carry. And even if Hunter doesn't play, their backup running back went for 25 carries, 161 yards, and three touchdowns last week. So I'm kind of fine with that. Obviously, you know, Hunter gives you that more explosiveness, especially when he's paired with Calvin Turner, who is kind of their Swiss Army knife, do it all. He's averaging 37 yards per game and seven touchdowns rushing the ball and 64 yards with two touchdowns receiving the ball. So that, I love the explosiveness of Hawaii's offense. They're 20th in the country at big plays. And this Utah State defense is just 77th at preventing the big play. 
They're 102nd in rush defense. They're 94th in pass defense. And this Hawaii defense isn't, you know, isn't great. So I, I do expect Utah State to be able to move the ball, but they're 21st at finishing drives. So when they have, when the other team gets inside the 40, that's when this Hawaii defense is, is, has been able to uh, clamp down. And we've seen it the last couple of weeks. They're playing a lot better football. They beat New Mexico State twice, who, you know, in the kind of that weird, that weird little schedule matrix where they play in Mexico State twice in four weeks. But then we saw them beat Fresno State, who we both love, even though you, Benedict Arnold, bet against them last week. But <laughs> I didn't. So go Bulldogs. And yeah, Nevada beat them, but they were only down three at the half. And then Hunter got hurt. And that was when things kind of went off the rails. So they were able to hang with Nevada when they were at full strength. And that was even without Cordero. So they get Cordero and Hunter back. I like this Hawaii number at plus 180 against the Utah State team that I just, you know, I don't really think they're that good. Yeah, I, I think I have some more feedback as you did for the, the Navy Tulsa play, which is why are we feeling that confident in Utah State? You know, they've, they've certainly shown their deficiencies this year. They've had games where the offenses failed to click. They've had quarterback injuries. They've, you know, played musical chairs. There's, there's no reason to feel as though, even though they have to travel to the mainland, that Hawaii can't get this done. And when you put it together, 11 to 1 has certainly piqued my interest. So that this, is, this is a play that is not going to require too much arm twisting uh, to get me to throw that into the Win Sportsbook app. And now as a quick reminder to our listeners, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a brand new sign-up offer for you guys. Bet $1 on any team and win $100 if that team scores a touchdown. That's right. All you have to do is open a new WinBet account, deposit $20 or more, and bet $1 on any team within your first 10 days. If that team scores a touchdown, you win $100. bucks. does not matter if you bet Alabama or Ohio State or even Akron. As long as they score one TD, which even Akron could probably do, that $100 is yours. So if you haven't signed up at WinBet Sportsbook yet, take advantage of this offer by clicking on the Action Network link in this episode's description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. No one to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, let's go ahead and turn to the real moneymaker for this podcast. We've, we've done it before. We've hit some perfect weeks. We got five picks this week for our G5 high five round robin here in week nine. Why don't you get us started with one that you're feeling and you know, kind of explain your rationale behind it. The G5 high five. Should we high five? Yeah, so I teased it earlier. I think this is going to be one of the better games of the weekend, especially from a group of five standpoint, which is obviously all we care about. I'm taking SMU. Uh, Last I looked, they were plus one against Houston. I don't know if that has swung at all, but I'm going to take SMU. Talked about a lot. I don't believe in the Houston defense necessarily because, like you said, they haven't played anyone. SMU is by far the best test they are going to have. Tanner Mordecai leads the country with 29 touchdowns. He's averaging 331 yards per game. And it's not just like, oh, you know, he's throwing it all over the yard. So obviously he racks him up. He's completing 71% of his passes. So he's been accurate and he's thrown it and he's been playing great. Sonny Dykes came out and said that he expects Bentley to be full goal this week. He's been limited the last three weeks. So getting Bentley back is huge. To take a little bit of the pressure off Mordecai, make the defense be honest. Bentley was the AAC Rookie of the Year last year. He's averaging 7.4 yards per carry on the ground. So having him back is huge huge because he's the perfect complement to as you mentioned their three stud receivers danny gray rashi rice reggie roberson plus their tight end grant calcantara is awesome as well so they really have four weapons plus obviously bentley and like i said the houston defense i don't fully believe in them 
SMU's defense has actually been fairly good, and especially of late, they've been playing a lot better. They're 17th in the country in rush success. And again, we talked about the standard downs in the in my South Alabama play. SMU is 21st in standard downs on defense. And Houston is 113th in standard downs on offense, which means that's going to lead to a lot of, you know, third and longs for Clayton Toon, who we've talked about, I've talked about not fully believing in him yet because third and long is when SMU dials up the pass rush and they're 14th in the country at getting after the quarterback this year. They've had a very good pass rush and that's when Toon makes mistakes. He's got 12 touchdowns this year, six interceptions. That's not terrible, but according to pro football focus, he has just 10 big time throws and 10 turnover worthy plays on the year. He also has two fumbles that now gives him 16 in his career, which he has been a problem with, you know, his whole career. So I just like this SMU defense to be able to hang with them. And then I think the SMU offense is way better than Houston's offense. So at, at, especially as an underdog, give me SMU. I, and I know what everyone's going to say, because I know the bear is probably talking about it on his podcast. I know the bear loves this stat. When an unranked team is favored against their ranked team, it has been a trap spot. I'm well aware of that. I'm well aware that the trends say play Houston because there's a reason they're favored against the ranked team. This is not just me seeing, Oh, the, SMU's ranked. They have to be better. It's not. And I'm that does make me a little nervous, but I believe in this SMU team. I'm going to back them anyway. Yeah, I think the, the number is a little bit surprising. I wouldn't say it fully stinks. The number I'm going to discuss, I think, is really fishy. But when you give me an opportunity to bet on the UTEP Miners, you know I'm going to do it. We're talking Miner Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. The fact that they're catching 11 in Boca Raton as though it's like Death Valley or something, I could not believe that this got up to double digits. Now, granted, the, the UTEP offense is, is held together with scotch tape and Elmer's super glue. Like Hardison to Cowing is a nice connection. Their running game is used, you know, three different lead backs throughout the season. They're probably not going to pop off for 35 points in this game, but there's just everything to love about this defense. There's only one other team in the country that can claim that they are top seven against the, the run in yards per carry and also top five in completion percentage allowed. And it's Georgia and UTEP. Those are the two teams. So when you look Great at company. what, yeah, when the defensive coordinator Pavito for UTEP is certainly going to have to, you know, head over to Home Depot, get some boxes because he's going to get a promotion this offseason. He's not long for West Texas because the work that he's done with this group is absolutely tremendous. They're going to choke out the, the owl rushing attack right away. And then when the ball goes in the air, they're making people pay. I think it's it's more than likely that they're going to hold them under four touchdowns. And then I just need them to get to 17 points to get into that push win category. I believe in UTEP to be able to get that done. Um Honestly, I just maybe I, I have the, the minor rose colored glasses on here, but they have not heard us the entire season on this podcast. And I'm willing to get my heart broken because what I'm really looking for here is not just the plus 11. I want the win. I want to set up the colossal Texas battle between UTSA and UTEP that everyone's been clamoring for. I want as much national attention and spotlight and shine as we can get them, you know, in that spot. So let's go ahead and pull for the minors here. Are, are you going to pull a Benedict Arnold like I did last week? Is this your time to jump off the raft or are you doubling down? God, no, of course I'm back at our <laughs> minors. This is, this is why we gamble. We gamble to fall in. This is why we, especially on these schools, we gamble to fall in love with the UTEPs and just blindly bet them more with our heart than with our brain. 
like you said, I think the brain also does back this up, but I, I'll bet them to, I, I would bet them against Georgia because you just said they're in the same category, apparently. The one, so I actually was going to do this as my underdog money line. That's how much I like them. Here's the reason I didn't. Here's the reason I stayed away is what you, ju- you just mentioned it. Everyone is talking about if they win this game, UTEP, UTSA, college game day out in the West Texas town of El Paso. So it would be very college football for them to get smoked when everyone's like, all they got to do is win and game day is going there. It would be very college football to have them get smoked right before their biggest game ever, essentially, if you can get game day there. So that's why I was a little bit nervous, especially for the money line to get them out on the show. I'm absolutely going to bet them because I don't care. I am nervous about that aspect, but I, I want to, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the guy sitting on the sidelines when UTEP beats FAU. So I love it. Go Miners. All right. What else can we tack on to this G5 high five round, Robin? So my next pick, do you know, obviously, besides our beloved Maction, do you know what happens on Tuesday next week? Oh, it's election day, right? I don't care about that. The more important. <laughs> what, the, uh, what important happens on Tuesday? What importance is it? Let's see, November 2nd. Is it some kind of like semifinalist for major awards or something like that? Doak Walker, Walter Camp, all that stuff. The first college football playoff ranking. Oh, yeah, I don't care about that. That that just infuriates me because they're going to put Cincinnati like six or something and then everyone's going to No, they're not. Because I'm taking Cincinnati team total over 43 because they may hang 70 on Tulane. The rankings come out Tuesday. Cincinnati slept walk through Navy uh, against Navy. I don't think they're going to be thrilled with that. You know, there was a little bit of question. Basically, if, if Oklahoma didn't almost choke to Kansas, they'd probably get jumped this week. I think they want to make sure they're number two in that first ranking. And what better team to do it against than this Tulane defense that is 119th against the pass? They're 119th against rushing explosiveness. They are 128th in the country, allowing yards per play and points per game. Cincinnati defense or Tulane defense, 110th in EPA per play and 110th in havoc rate. Cincinnati's offense, 41.1 points per game. Tulane's allowing 42.3 points per game. And like I said, I think they make a statement. I think we get a 50 burger here. So team total over 43, give it to me. Cincinnati's going to have their foot on the gas this entire game, knowing what happens on Tuesday. Give me the Bearcats. I like that play having you know, unsuccessfully, well, I mean, successfully having watched, but, you know, all I needed to do is sit on the couch and watch Tulane play Houston. But in terms of my bet, it did not, you know, cash. And it was because it seems like every time the Clayton tune rolled out and it was a fire drill, the Tulane team lost all spatial awareness whatsoever. I've never seen so many completions with a guy a few feet from the sideline where it looks like a, a, a dead giveaway that he's going to throw the ball away and just hitting people 25 yards down the field. He, he, they made him look like Aaron Rodgers essentially outside the pocket. So I agree. I'm, I'm selling on this Tulane team. Um, I think basically they were riding the reputation of that near miss against Oklahoma in the opener, which Oklahoma has proven to be a Jekyll and Hyde team the entire season. So it's time to cut bait on, on that narrative, at least that Tulane is just about ready to turn the corner. Offensively, they can't protect Pratt at all. Pratt, and Pratt might not even play. Pratt's in concussion protocol. 
Yeah, I mean, even if he does play, the the chances of him staying in the game are pretty slim against a Cincinnati front. Like, they'll be able to get pressure with four or five guys. They don't even need to bring that extra stuff. Um, and then you, when you look at Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner on the perimeter, they're going to eat in this game. This, this is really kind of a highlight NFL draft real game for them to, to get right and to make some highlight real plays. So I'm with you. I think that Cincinnati play is solid. I think the logic's solid. Um, the only issue that I have is that sometimes Fickle pretends that like he doesn't need to politic at all for this or that, you know, oh, we'll get in on our merits. Hopefully someone's in his ear to to lower the boom on this game. But I think if it's going to happen, this is probably the right spot to, to bank on it. All right, I'll transition now to my last addition to the G5 High Five here in week nine. And that's over 64 between UVA and BYU. This is an exciting one because I had closed my eyes before I opened up uh, the WinBook app on this one. And I was hoping for any number short of 70, I get 64. The Cavs have scored 40 points per game across their last four. Brennan Armstrong is incredible. When you look at their receiving core, Kemp the fourth in particular, they've been just red hot. And the other element of it, when you look at their schedule, really in the last six weeks, they've been scorched scorched earth by good, by good offenses they face. They get up 40 to Wake, 30, or excuse me, 37 to Wake, 40 to Georgia Tech, 33 to Louisville, 59 to North Carolina. And UVA's run defense in particular is just awful, 113th nationally. And this is a BYU team that when you look at pro football focus, their offensive line rating on the run blocking element of it, 16th nationally. And that's transitioned to Tyler Algier just pounding the football, seven TDs, 515 yards across his last four games. He's going to get the ball, I would say, north of 25 times in this game. And UVA has a paper mache front seven. They're just going to get shredded. And if this turns into a shootout, I'm excited about it because Brennan Armstrong is a guy who's great playing from behind. He'll put up huge numbers. You know, the BYU defense has taken, at least in my opinion, a little bit of a half step backwards. And offensively, it's been a mixed bag because of Jaron Hall being in and out of the lineup. But if there's ever a defense to get right, it's that that Wahoo defense. So I'm going to go with the over here, 64. I think this number is artificially a bit lower because of the game against Washington State last week, 21-19 for the Cougs, um, the Coug on Coug action there. I like over here and uh, I don't really see any reason to, to be turned off of it based on the potential of two good offenses and the really bad UVA defense. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I mean, UVA also plays at like a ridiculously fast pace. So that's always helpful. I do like that a lot as well. Uh, for my last play, I'm actually going to go with the total as well. I'm going with an under though. I'm taking under 52 between UCF and Temple. The, this UCF team is just not the same without Dylan Gabriel. You know, obviously he's been, he got hurt against Louisville. So he's been out for four games. They are averaging just 24 points per game since Gabriel got hurt. They're averaging 5.1 yards per play compared to over seven when Gabriel was in the lineup. Mikey Keene, he's really struggled. He's averaging just 5.5 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, five interceptions, just thrown for 126 yards per game. And Joey Gatewood is the other option, and I would love this play if Joey Gatewood came into the game. You know, Joey Gatewood's a guy who started at Auburn, couldn't beat out freshman Bo Nix, who was not good. Bo Nix season in full effect. Transferred to Kentucky. So if Gatewood's in, perfect, because he's really a running quarterback anyway. And, you know, the typical UCF quick pace, score, 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 hasn't really been that. They're 122nd in explosiveness on offense this year. So you're not going to have to – they're not going to score quick. You're gritty Mikey Keene and driving them down the field, and I don't expect that. They're going to continue to lean on Isaiah Bowser in the running game. 
I think they're going to run the ball a lot, especially against this Temple defense that is 36 in success rate against the pass. Temple's defense has actually been surprisingly competent. And then the Temple offense has not been competent. They're 110th in success rate, 119th in finishing drives. Dewan Mathis, you know, I don't trust him. He's got six touchdowns, four picks on the year. He managed just 183 yards passing with two picks in a loss to South Florida last week. South Florida stinks. Temple's averaging just 22 points per game. The UCF defense under Gus Malzahn has been much better than we've seen in the past. You know, typically the UCF games are, you know, UCF wins 63 to 58, but they have been a lot better. They're actually third in the American in yards per play on defense behind Cincinnati and Houston. They're 46 in pass success. So, like I said, I don't trust Mathis, and the UCF defense has been pretty good against the pass. So I see, I just see both teams really having to rely on the run here. And with two teams that don't have any explosiveness, I just think this is kind of going to be a slow slog of game. So give me UCF Temple under 52. Yeah, I like that play, particularly the Bowser angle that you mentioned. I, it's important not to lose track of injuries and suspensions. Uh, you, know, you have targeting suspensions where you miss a half, things like that. You want to make sure you're on top of those uh, those personnel swings because you can see a team's overall identity change and early in the season, they had kind of tied their lot to, to Bowser. And I think they're going to go back to that. And a great job digging into the stats. Temple is not going to make it easy for them through the air. So why not just run, run, run the ball with Bowser? So I like that. All right. Now it's time to do a, a quick wrap up of everything that we have on our sheet here. We'll start with best bets. South Alabama laying eight and a half against UL Monroe. The South Alabama Jaguars. Over 62 between SMU and Houston. The SMU Mustangs. For our Moneyline Dog Parlay of week number nine, Navy plus 335 traveling to Tulsa. Hawaii on the mainland plus 180 taking on Utah State. The Hawaii Warriors. And that payout in that spot is plus 1100. And for our G5 high five round robin of week number nine, SMU plus one against Houston. The SMU Mustangs. UTEP plus 11 on the road against Florida Atlantic. We're talking minor nation. Over 64 between BYU and UVA. The BYU Cougars. Over 43 for Cincinnati's team total. The Cincinnati Bearcats. And under 52 between Temple and UCF. The Temple Owls. If our underdog parlay hits this week, we're using that money, and the two of us are flying down to El Paso to see our beloved beat me against our beloved minor nation. We should do a live podcast from, from the Sun Bowl. Your confidence tells me that you're prepared to tell my wife that I'm traveling to El Paso, Texas on a Saturday, leaving her with the kids be like, honey, this is really the game of the century in the Conference USA West Division. So I got to go. I, you know, when duty calls, you get on that that plane and, and you salute two programs that are banner carrying for Conference USA. Really appreciate the work they're doing down there. For Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive under the Big Bets on Campus banner. Don't forget to listen in for Colin and Stucky. Their podcast for the whole national slate drops on Thursday night into Friday morning with lots of picks, winners on Saturday. Get you into the black, make you some money. Really enjoy these college football Saturdays while we still have them. All right, that's it, everybody. Thanks for listening.